You're now listening to the A Place of Refuge Productive Living Podcast with Bishop Barry D. Walker. A Place of Refuge vision is to cause people to be productive in every aspect of life according to God's Word. For more information, please stop by our website at www.aplaceofrefugechurch.org. Now, here's today's message already in progress. Figuratively, a valley represents a place that has restrictions, limitations, a place where you as a person can only can only do so much. You have a desire to go further, but you can't because of restrictions. Valley, figuratively speaking, also represents a place of obstructions or hindrances. You want to be happy, but it seems like something or somebody is always trying to hinder your happiness. And that's just real. In life, you just go through stuff you wish you didn't have to go through. I said, in life, you go through some stuff you wish you didn't have to go through. Even though life is good. Yeah, you still go through stuff you don't. (laughs) Woo! Oh, let me throw something else in there. Sometimes, folk, you don't want to have to deal with You end up having to deal well. If it was up to you, you would never have to go to the doctor. But sometimes, sometimes you, you, you have to just deal with what you really don't want to deal with. And when such takes place, you're in a valley. I said, when such takes place, you're in a valley. Contextually, David was not just in a valley. He actually deemed his place a valley of the shadow of death, not just dealing with hindrances, limitations, but in a place where he knows death is present. 
Yea, though I walk, I'm living, existing in a valley where death is. And death will try to talk to your mind. Death has a way of, of making you say certain things. How can death do that? Well, one reason, because Paul deemed death an enemy. You have to understand, death represents more than just one thing. We just can't look at it from a figurative well, from a literal standpoint, your demise or your end on earth. But again, Paul said to the Corinthian church that the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. So death is an enemy. Specifically, death is an enemy that is connected to the devil. And when it comes to the devil, according to Ephesians 4 and 27, you can't give the enemy of the devil any, any place. You have to put your foot down and let the enemy know you're not coming up in my mind. I'm not going to give you that opportunity. I'm not going to allow you to control my mind because if you start messing with my mind, then I'll start saying things I have no business saying, followed by doing things I have no business doing. Death can be a dangerous thing, figuratively speaking, because according to Proverbs 18 and 21, Death is in the power of the tongue. You can say stuff that will mess up yourself. I said you can say stuff that will mess up yourself. Woo, all these folk in here, but it's so quiet. But watch this right here. Ask your neighbor, have you ever uttered something about yourself? That mess you up. I shouldn't have said it. Seemed like it's happening now. Yeah, seemed like Proverbs 18 and 21 is coming to fruition. Death is in the power of the tongue. But the opposite of death is also in the power of the tongue based on that same verse. That's the reason Solomon concluded by saying death and Life are in the power of the tongue, and he who uses it or loves it shall eat his fruit. I don't want to kill myself with my mouth. I don't want to kill my healing with my mouth. I don't want to kill what God has in store for me with my mouth. I don't want to kill my turnout, my turnaround with my mouth. And the one place that you can mess yourself up is when your 
in a valley where you can discern death. Yea, though I walk, live through the valley of the shadow of death. Shadow represents shade or something that in one sense can protect you from the sun or, for cer or from certain elements, but shade in another sense represents something that causes dimness. You're not able to see the way you desire to see, or in certain cases, the way you need to see. See is not only literal, see has to do with experiencing something or sensing something. And so you can be in the valley of the shadow of death and you start to wonder because your sight or your senses are limited. And some of us have been there. You're to the point to where you're going through something in your body and you're wondering how it's going to turn out. You're wondering if a particular thing is going to work. You're limited in that you cannot reach a conclusion by it because you're not omniscient. You're not all-knowing. So as a human, you start to wonder because it's not clear how it's going to turn out. And whenever you're concerned about something that you, as a human, do not know how it's going to turn out, it's easy to open up the door of fear. You don't know. Again, because you are allowing your senses to talk to you. And so now you're fearful of what you don't know. And when it comes to some dictionaries, the primary definition of fear is the anticipation of danger, harm, hurt, or such. Well, they took the x-ray. I don't know how it's going to turn out. Well, we put in the application. <sighs> don't know if it's going to go through or not. They say three days and we should 
know something. And see, whenever you open up the door and allow wonder to come, there's a cousin of wonder that comes in uninvited. Fear. And see, John talked about how fear involves or it contains torment. You go from not just wondering, but, but, but now you're becoming apprehensive. You're, you're, you're worrying about something. Get this. You have no control of. You couldn't change it because you don't have the capacity to change it. But yet what you can't change. Is causing you to be fearful. Worry. And miss good meals. Or not get your eight hours of sleep. Woo! Some of y'all acting as if you hadn't been there. But if you have, tell your neighbor, I done been there. Some of us are there right now. You done opened up a door you never should have opened up. You done gave place to the wrong one. John said he... That is fearful is not made perfect in love. He that is fearful is not made perfect in love. Break it down, preacher. Love from a theological standpoint represents a person that is thinking, talking, and doing according to the written and revealed word of God. We get that from what Jesus said to his disciples. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. You'll do what I tell you to do. So if my mind is not on the will of God, but it's in a state of wonder or fear, God is not able to Perfect me. Not able to do for me what I need. Because perfect, biblically speaking, in one sense means that which is suitable or needed for life. And when God gives me a word or a rhema is what I need in order to go through whatever I'm facing. God knows how to give you the exact word you need in your valley. I said God knows how to give you the exact word you need in your valley. 
that means in the midst of trials and tribulation, God knows how to give you a word that will cause you to respond with joy. Bottom line, you will start walking in James 1 one and following you'll start counting all joy even though you're going through the toughest time of your life you'll start looking to the hills from whence cometh your help even though you're dealing with the fiery trial because in your being is what peter said in first peter 4 and 12 think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you you're in your valley but you're not allowing wonder you're not allowing fear or such to cause you to stray from the path that God has told you to get on he told you to get on that path of letting your mind be like his mind let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus I'm in the valley but I gotta think like my God I'm going through a whole lot of trouble I only can see so far but I'm just gonna keep my mind on heavenly things I'm gonna keep praising him even though I'm not feeling as well as I as I desire in my body I'm gonna keep turning in victory even though I can't see the turn out with my natural eyes. I'm just going to praise him anyhow. Woo! Say to your neighbor, just praise him anyhow. Oh, it's an alternative to wonder. Just praise him anyhow. Just magnify him anyhow. Just give him glory for the turnout. It may not work out the way they say it's going to work out. It may not work out the way you want it to work out. But if you give him the praise, if you trust him, if you magnify him, if you glorify him, God will cause it to turn out in your faith. Oh, you better look at somebody and tell them, can't nobody but nobody but nobody do you like Jesus. Ooh, somebody getting happy, you better tell one more person, can't nobody but nobody but nobody do you like. I'm in the valley and I can't see the way I want to see, but I'm still going to give God the praise. I'm still going to magnify him. I'm still going to leap for joy. My haters are ho hoping that I go down, but I'm going to stand as long as God is. And so David contextually He makes a decision. See, in, in, in the midst of your trouble, you need to make a concrete decision. You need to make a decision, but, but you need to make a concrete decision. You don't need to make a decision and then change. Because if, if, if you make a decision that you're just going to trust God and then you change, 
You're starting to do what God cannot bless. James said in James 1, the first chapter of James, he, he said a person that is double-minded is not going to receive anything from the Lord. You got to make a concrete decision. And you got to stay there. No matter what folks say. Even professionals. God gave you your rhema, but then you went to the doctor's office. And, and, and the doctor said something in contrast to what you had received. At that moment. You have to consider Isaiah 53 and Romans 10. Whose report are you going to believe? Paul and Isaiah concluded that the report they were going to stand on was God's report. But when you're in a valley of the shadow of death or some other type valley where you're being tried, specifically your faith. You have to make a concrete decision. You got to be to the point to where, you, where, where you're living. 1 Corinthians 15 and 58. You're steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the will of God. Knowing that what you're doing is not in vain. Fear will try to play with you. Fear will try to make your mind, your thoughts like Play-Doh. You can't allow that to happen. You got to be steadfast. You can't let fear talk you out of praying. When you done made up in your mind that, that, that you're going to stand on the promise of God and you're going to keep praying and trusting that with his stripes you already healed. You are made up in your mind that you're going to get the victory by living by faith. You can't allow fear, worry, or such to pull you out of your safe place. You got to stay in your safe place. You got to stay in the will of God. Ooh, you got to make a concrete decision and just stay there. I said you got to make a concrete decision and just stay there. And that's what David did. In a difficult situation. Where enemies were around him. His decision was, I shall not fear no evil. Yet though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Yeah, I know you're over there, but I ain't fearing you. Yeah, I read the report, but I'm still going to stand on God's word. 
Well, they denied the application. They must not want to be blessed. We're going to go somewhere else and put in another application. And if it don't work there, we'll go to a third place and put in an application. And we'll keep putting them in until God tells us different. I don't know about you. I have been denied three, four times. But then God did it on the fifth time. Just showed me some grace. I said, just showed me some grace. Grace is the number five. Grace. He showed it. Then sometimes God will allow you to put in eight applications. The number of new beginnings. I wanted to see if you would get rid of your old ways so I could give you a new beginning. What do you mean my old ways, Lord? Well, you known for quitting, so I just decided to see if you were going to go eight times so I could give you. God will allow certain things to happen so you can see you from two sides. The old side and the new side. The bottom line, though, is you just got to stay in the will of God. You never stop until God tells you to stop. You never start until he tells you to start. Why? He's the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the ending, the first, the last, the one that was, that is, and that is soon to come. Shout at somebody the best place to be and the safest place to be is in the will of God. I said it's in the will of God. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Even though it's around. Even though it's around. I'm not going to fear any evil. Evil represents the devil. Evil represents something that's trying to ruin you or to kill you that's in contrast to God's will. You can't fear it. You can't fear it. Even though it's something you, you, you never wanted to take place. Job even talked about the the thing that I fear the most, and he was talking from his human standpoint, has come upon me. He said it again from his human standpoint, but then he turned around and said, I know my redeemer lives. I'm facing what I didn't want to face, but I know my redeemer lives i know he here i i know god is here you gotta know who your redeemer is you gotta know who your help is you gotta know who has the final say i gotta show you something you can't fear no evil and sometimes it's a process not to I said sometimes it's a process not to fear. But you have to learn not to fear. 
Consider Psalm 112 and just one verse. Y'all stay with me. I'm almost done. Psalm 112 and 7. Psalm 112 and 7. Matter of fact, I'm going to start at 6 to make it a little clearer. Ready? Surely he will never be, be shaken. The righteous will be in everlasting remembrance. He will not be afraid, get this, of evil tidings. Tidings equates news. And how many know you get even news? Yes, you do. Turn on your TV, you won't get nothing but evil news every day. But again, he will not be afraid of evil news or tidings. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. And sometimes you, you, you have to be steadfast in heart, and heart represents your choices, your mindset. You have to be steadfast in heart even though you see and feel opposition. See, opposition is a part of life. You're going to see it. You're you going to sense it. But you still have to remain steadfast. Because opposition will tell you what it, what it wants. I said opposition will tell you what it wants. Tell you, I want you to quit. I want you to get out the will of God. It may not be that point blank. But when you're hurting and God done told you to get up. Opposition will say, you need to just lay him. You know you don't feel like getting up. You get up tomorrow or another day. Don't get up. now. but God told you to get up. Holy Spirit telling you, get up and go to church. I, Lord, I'm so tired. I don't want to. Oh, God, I'm so tired sleeping. I'm just going to cut on YouTube and just. No, that ain't what God told you. God said, get up and go. That day, YouTube is not going to be where your blessing is. The enemy will always fight what God done told you to do. That's when you can get your rhema in church and you can go somewhere and you can hear just the opposite. And what you hear will try to persuade you to walk in it instead of what God told you. And when you do that, it says that you have lost your steadfastness. Because of not trusting in God. Because when a word comes forth from an anointed vessel, that's God. God is his word, written and revealed. Let me give you scripture. John 1 and 1 and follow me. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. You can't allow it to move you, even though you know stuff is around. And that's the reason Psalm 23 and 4 is so vivid. David knew that death was there to the point to where death was so powerful to where he knew I'm not just in a valley. I'm in a valley of the shadow of death. 
the enemy trying to blind me. Trying to stop me from believing what God done promised me. And get this. Get this. The Bible says that if the gospel is hid. It is hid from those that are lost. Not just talking about sinners. You can be in church. But lost are out of the will of God. In church. In church. Brag about what church you go to, but know you lost. And lost again does not just mean you're, you're a sinner. You're just not in the place you need to be. If our gospel is here, it is here to those that are lost. But David is walking through the valley. And he is not fearing any evil. So it's apparent that he is not lost. He's not lost. He's in God's will, even though he's in trouble. And he's not fearing any evil. And, and, and then he, he talks about why he's not fearing, fearing any evil. Your rod. And your staff. They're here. Your power is here. Your power is here. That's what the rod represents. Your power is here. Good God. It ain't nothing like filling the power of God. The power of God equates the presence of God. And God can come in a sanctuary just like this and allow his power or his glory just to saturate the whole being. And all of a sudden, the, the whole atmosphere begins to change. But then in your prayer room, God can also allow his power just to come in. God, I'm going through something in my body. I just need you to touch me right now. I just need you to touch me from my crown to the sole of my feet. And, and, and you're in your prayer closet at the house. And all of a sudden, God sends his power. In a four by four room. And all of the sudden, you get up and you're magnifying him. Why? Because when the power of God comes, you can't sit still. When the power of God comes, you can't keep your mouth shut. You got to start giving him the praise. You've got to start giving him the glory. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. 
when the glory of God drops on you, you can't sit in your seat. Your knee may have been hurt before you sat down, but when that power hits you, you'll get up, you'll get up moving that knee because you know when God touches you, you can't stay the same. I said when God touches you, you can't stay the same. Look at your neighbor and say, have you ever feel, received the touch from God? And it changed you for the better. Your rod and your staff. When he comes with his power, is followed by his staff or his miracle. You have some folk don't believe in miracles. You have some folks that have degrees wall to wall but don't believe in miracles. They tell you it's over, but you tell them, no, God got the final say. They call you delusional. They say you're not accepting what is going to happen. No, it's, it's not that. You're not delusional. You just have a God you trust. You have a God that has brought you through trouble after trouble after trouble after trouble, even trouble. Somebody said you would never make your way through. your neighbor I'm not delusional I just know what God can do before my daddy got saved this doctor said well it don't look like he gonna live I said look you ain't got the final say you don't have the final say. He ain't saved yet. And God done promised me he gonna save my whole household. He can't die no sinner. He got to get saved. Well, his mind, his mind is his his mind is in a state where he gonna get saved. See, you gotta understand something. With men, certain things are impossible. But not with God. With God, all things are possible. My dad had just had had a stroke. His mind was all over the place. But then one Tuesday night, one Tuesday night, in the midst of his valley, one Tuesday night, he, he, came, he came to the little storefront over there on Noonan Road. And he came in there just like this right here. Patch on his eye. 
God told me if I come down here that he'd save me and heal me. That's what he said in front of the whole congregation. The power of God came down in the sanctuary. The patch left his eye. And God gave him strength in his body. That was, that was the first part of the miracle. But the greatest miracle was when he called on the name of Jesus. The Holy Spirit dropped on him what he had said he would never do. That is, receive the Holy Spirit with the initial evidence. God did it, saved him. And once he saved him, he stayed in church until God said, It's your appointment now, Marvin. Come on home now. I don't care what valley you're in. It's not over until God says it's over. Now, I need to call your attention back to what he says. I'm closing. I'm closing. Psalm 23 and 4. Yea, do I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. That rod and that staff, again, represents power and the miraculous. But then he said concerning the power of God and the Miraculous are the doings of God is what give him, him comfort. It's why he is at peace. You got to always know what God can do for you. Well, they're saying it ain't going to happen, but, but God, done, he done brought me through so many things. And then sometimes it's not always what he done, he done brought us through. It's what we know he has brought others through. To see my mama delivered from cancer four times. And every single time the doctor said she wasn't going to make it. Oh man, you know, that ain't nothing but a testimony. To look, to, to look at a man named Brother Thomas Newell, who, who doctors said, well, we just, we just going to let him go. But his wife said, no, it, it ain't time for him to go. We're gonna just going to keep praying and God just going to do what he going to do. And to look back there and see him in church. What happened to him? The rod? And the staff. And so many others that God has touched you. And you know about his rod, his power, and his staff. The miraculous. But see, the thing that I want to leave with you is that David, he was at peace. Peace. While walking in that valley, 
all that trouble, but he, he just comfortable at peace. What in the world did this man have on his mind? The reason he could walk in peace while in a valley. I'm, I'm going to show you what Paul said. Lord have mercy. I almost went down when we were doing the baby Christian. I read preached it. I was. I'm just telling you the truth. I read preached. Let, let's go to the book of Ephesians. Lord have mercy. If I could sing like I could hum, I would be on it. Consider Ephesians 6, and, and I want to read verses 14 and 15 for clarity. Ready? But, I, but my focus is verse 15. He says, Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Ephesians 6 and 14. Let me start over, because I, I was hearing some pages turn. Ready? Stand there for having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your, help me, feet with the preparation of the gospel of what? He was able to walk in peace because his mind was not on the bad news they had given him. Or that he was facing. But his mind was on. The good news. Whenever you know bad news is all around you. And you're in a valley. In order to stay. At peace. You got to keep your mind on the good news you can't allow the bad to push the good out it's your choice remember David made a choice I will fear no evil I'm going to be at peace even though I'm in this in this valley I'm done. Let's get